Welcome to the Panema Wellness Podcast. I'm Yona Chatsunov, registered nurse, women's health educator, and Bodeka Tara. And I am passionate about educating and empowering from women in their search for health and well-being. In this podcast, we explore health topics in a sensitive and practical way, answer questions, and discover new ideas and perspectives from other from women like ourselves. I'm so glad you've joined me on this journey to learn new information in a safe and curious space. Hey again, when I was coming up with the content for this podcast, I thought it would be great to do a mini series on postpartum diet and exercise. Neither of these are really my specialty, so it seems like a great opportunity to bring in some experts to share their knowledge with us. I'm excited to share this fantastic chat I had with Esty Asher, a registered dietitian nutritionist and self-care enthusiast who is on a mission to help women reach their ultimate health and well-being potential inside and out. Esty works with women through her virtual private practice and is on the Nutritional Advisory Board for Wellspring Magazine. Her goal is to provide credible, clear, and inspiring nutrition information, which you'll see she does in this both about pregnancy, pre-pregnancy, and postpartum. And you can find out more about her practice and read her articles at sdashernutrition.com. I'll be including a link and email in the podcast description, as well as on my site, fromwomenshealth.com. So you can follow up with any questions about content or nutritional services. Enjoy. Hi, Esty. Thank you so much for joining me for this interview. Thank you for having me. Okay, so we're going to talk about diet and pregnancy, postpartum. We're going to talk about a lot of things, but let's kind of start with, well, let's start with why I wanted you to come talk to me. I've been hearing from people who were telling me about what they were doing postpartum for weight loss. Um, and it made me kind of uncomfortable, and I was thinking that people really need more information and education on how they can best take care of their bodies postpartum. Um, and that's definitely not a specialty of mine. And at the same time, I, of course, get questions about what people should or shouldn't eat while they're pregnant, while breastfeeding. And I have more information on those, but figure you have even more than me. So I'm hoping that we can shed some light on the situation. Sounds good. Okay, so let's just talk basics. What? Tell me about a basic healthy diet in pregnancy first. Okay, perfect. So a basic healthy diet in pregnancy really looks very similar to a basic and healthy diet pre-pregnancy or any other time. So in general, we want to make sure that you're having a well-balanced intake. So you want to have your whole grains, your fruits, your vegetables, protein, um, and and just make sure that there's a good variety. Um, a lot of times people think about healthy eating and they think about the food choices that they make need to be very extreme. Something's either allowed or not allowed, but we really try to recommend having a variety of everything. Um, we wanna make sure that we're including the different food groups. We don't wanna have any restricted food lists. Um, labeling foods as good or bad is something we wanna avoid. Um, and we want to make sure we're giving our body enough of what it needs. So we want to make sure that we're getting enough protein and calories and vitamins and minerals. Um, and depending on your individual circumstances, those can vary. Um, and you also want to make sure that you're flexible with the food choices that you make. Um, so really just eating balanced meals throughout the day and snacks and, and not being extreme about it. I guess this also gets hard for people when they are on a specific diet for health reasons, then they would need to seek, you know, more specific guidance on how they can 
get through their pregnancy. Exactly. And these recommendations are very general. Um, Of course, if somebody has a specific medical condition or specific concerns, they should reach out to their physician or personal dietitian to make sure that they're, they're eating in a way that is best for their health. Do you have any specific tips for the beginning of pregnancy when people are very nauseous? I definitely do. So in the beginning of pregnancy, um, different women react differently. They feel differently. And first and foremost, you want to just make sure that you're taking care of yourself, um, really paying attention to what your body is telling you and responding in a kind way. Um, So of course, we want to be resting extra and, and taking it easy. Um, It's very common for people to feel nauseous in the beginning. Um, So small, frequent meals and snacks are very helpful with nausea. Um, If somebody is sensitive to smell, sometimes if if they smell things, they can feel more nauseous. So sticking to foods that are more room temperature or cold versus hot foods that have a strong odor. Um, And we want to really try to stay as hydrated as you can, Um, especially if there's, you know, if people are vomiting in addition to that nausea, they're losing a lot of fluids potentially. So you want to regain those fluids and also just stay hydrated to to help keep the nausea at bay. I would say as a provider also, we usually tell people not to worry too much. People are concerned they're not getting enough calories to feed their babies, but you go into pregnancy with the stores that you need for those first few months. Um, Definitely if you've been taking a prenatal vitamin beforehand, do you have anything else you want to add about prenatals or? Yeah, I was just, um, it it triggered a thought when you said that. Um, It's really interesting the way that our body works is that if your baby needs a vitamin or mineral, um, you should be getting it from your prenatal, but your body is designed to actually have your baby pull from your own stores. Um, so it's it's more common that your stores might get depleted um, before your baby doesn't get what it needs. Which um, is a good reason to check your iron also before exactly. you get pregnant. Iron, um, iron deficiency um, is one of the, I think, one of the most common, um, common I, I, not to call it a complication, but it's very, very common among pregnant women. Yeah, it is. The, actually, the standards of what your iron levels should be within drop during pregnancy. The expectation is that the woman's iron will get lower because so much of it is going to baby. But yes, that I, hopefully that helps relieve some of the anxiety for women when they're like, I'm not eating enough. How's my baby going to grow? Your baby will still grow. And hydrating is really the key part, making sure that you're getting in enough fluid and figure out how you can best take your multivitamin. Um, if you're not able to take the full multivitamin, see if you can tolerate at least the folic acid aspect. And how much is it that you need a day of folic acid? Um, typically you need around 400 micrograms per day, um, but that should be included within your, your prenatal vitamin, or maybe sometimes you take it separately. If a woman can't take a prenatal vitamin, rather than just not taking anything, it is better for Mm -hmm. her to take it separately because it's the most, the key element in early pregnancy. Exactly. In, in the early pregnancy. So it's really important that we have the adequate folic acid even before we get pregnant, when we're thinking about pregnancy, because it's the really early stages where that's the most necessary. Right. Um, what other, what are the other key elements? I, I think people are most familiar with hearing they need folic acid or that they need iron. Are there other things that pregnant women need? Um, there are a lot of other things. They're all, they should all be included within that prenatal vitamin. But yes, we typically speak most about the folic acid, the iron, and also calcium. 
Um, so calcium helps with baby's healthy development of teeth, bones, heart, nerves, muscles, um, and there's a lot, a lot of benefit to making sure you have enough calcium. Typically, it's around a thousand milligrams per day. Is that right? I know that the number is higher than in the standard population. Pregnant and nursing women are supposed to get more. Okay. And I, people will sometimes say, well, can't I just get this from diet? And the answer would be, most of us are not going to get this from diet. If someone is eating a tremendous amount of fruits and vegetables, and they're eating organic fruits and vegetables, something that's not mass-produced, and the soil has all the nutrients, then, yeah, they should be fine, and that's great. It's very hard to accomplish. So for most of us, the prenatal vitamin is the right way to go. Um, and I have, I've, I had a patient once who said she wasn't, she wasn't herself willing to do it, which is contrary to the medical recommendation. And the, the midwife who was seeing her reviewed her diet with her. And I think she, she exclusively ate things she grew at home, plus protein, plus she just like, she was, she was a poster child. So if someone's a poster child, it's one thing. But if not, like most of us, it's really important. Yeah, we always like to say food first, so we want to make sure that we're getting vitamins and minerals from the healthy food choices that we're making, but at the same time, that multivitamin, if somebody's not pregnant, or the prenatal vitamin, if, if they are pregnant or considering pregnancy or breastfeeding, um, is more of that insurance that in the event that they are not getting everything from their diet, you have that insurance to make sure that you're doing all within your control to grow a healthy child and and get what you need for yourself as well. So past that first trimester, are there any changes in second trimester, second trimester or third trimester as far as calories go? Yes, so as your baby grows, your baby's needs grow as well. Um, so while the first trimester, we don't necessarily recommend any additional calories, but the second trimester, they say around 340 calories per day extra. The third trimester, around 450 calories per day extra. But if you think about it, it's really not that much. So the, the concept of eating for two is, is not very accurate. It's not something that we really mm -hmm. should be thinking about when we're you know making our food choices. But definitely there is a little bit of an increase in calories as we go through our pregnancy. Well, it's also not dessert for two. It's exactly. <laughs> It's, we are very clear when we make those recommendations that we want them to be nutrient-dense food choices. That doesn't mean we can't have dessert, but it's not a reason um, to go for the extra dessert because we're doing it for our baby. And weight gain will definitely vary from woman to woman. And the, a woman's BMI, how much she weighs relative to her height, is going to change how much the recommendation is for her. And women know for themselves what many women who have had multiple children will know for themselves what number helps them grow a healthy baby. Yes, in general for a healthy BMI, we recommend 25 to 35 pound weight gain. Um, and it's important to keep in mind that's not just from the baby. There's more blood volume, there's the placenta, there's a lot going on that contributes towards that weight gain. But that is a, a basic ballpark of what is recommended. And it's it's healthy. It's healthy. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Um, when it comes to breastfeeding, what would you say? So woman's had her baby, she's had those extra calories. I think women are also familiar with the fact that they're supposed to eat more postpartum when they're breastfeeding, but at the same time they have that baby weight they want to lose. And we've talked about this a little bit. There's this conflict that women have with what they should do. 
Let's, let's talk about that now. Yeah. Um, I love working with women and the postpartum period is a time where we feel a little bit of a, of a struggle. Um, on the one hand, we might feel like we want to get back into our pre-pregnancy weight and feel more like ourselves and um, restrict and jump into some kind of diet weight loss plan. Um, but on the other hand, if you think about it, you just experienced a birth and you really need to take care of yourself. It's to benefit you and your baby. And by taking a deep breath and a step back and realizing that you need to take care of yourself, that can help put things into perspective. So making sure that you're getting the rest that you need, that you're accepting any help that's offered. A lot of times I, I speak with women and they're so happy that they're getting meals, but then they're very concerned about the types of meals that they're getting and the food that's in their meals. Um, if it's healthy or if it goes with their diet plan that they want to follow. Um, but it's really important in the beginning, especially, to take care of yourself and accept the help, eat the food that's given to you, and and slowly make your way towards that goal that you might have if it is weight loss. But but not right away. Really hydrate. We want to make sure we're drinking enough water um, for many reasons, especially if you're breastfeeding. Um, and and to, to cut yourself some slack. Let your body heal. Be realistic of what you expect from yourself. And, and really take care of yourself in a balanced way. That's all really good. Good things to keep in mind. I think um, also we are... You, during pregnancy, you you feel big and you feel slowed down, and then you have the baby and you're like ready to hit the ground running and get yourself back into shape. And it's easy to lose sight of the fact that yes, you, I mean, having a baby, growing a baby, having a baby, they're like like sporting events. It takes a lot of <laughs> exactly. effort from our body, and then it takes the body time in a way that we're not able to see. It's not all about weight. There's a lot going on internally. There's stuff going on with our our ligaments and, you know, all of the internal organs and our hormones, there's a lot that has to shift back into pre-pregnancy state. And that really takes around six months, honestly, for us to inside look like we did before to whatever extent. I mean, nothing's going to be the same again after you have a baby, but to get back into non-pregnant state even takes time. Um, so yeah, having the focus be on how, how quickly can I get back to my diet or get back to what I want to look like. It's kind of missing all of that, all that stuff we can't see and all the care we need to give to the inside of ourselves. Emotionally also, there's a lot going on when you're getting much less sleep. And if a woman is breastfeeding, it's true that there are going to be changes in her metabolism because her, her body is doing exactly what it's supposed to do when it holds on to calories in order to give them to baby. So Women may see that their their weight loss is slower, like just their natural weight loss. Some women will be like, oh my gosh, when I nurse, the weight falls right off. <laughs> and then the women who are like, well, that definitely doesn't help happen for me. Or like, that's it. I'm doomed. And it's not true. Some women will hold on to their weight stronger when they breastfeed for three months, six months, 12 months. And then as their hormones shift back to normal, see that they're just like everyone else. So there are so many different ways that a woman's body as it goes through this process of, you know, reverting back from the pregnant state to the non-pregnant state and from the breastfeeding state to the not breastfeeding state, we'll see changes. And we just, we need to be kind to ourselves and, and patient as we 
see how our bodies will react as opposed to measuring it against the woman who walks out of the hospital looking like, you know, exactly like she did before. And you'll meet them. They exist. It's true. Yeah, and I, I, I totally agree. I think the latter of the scenarios with the breastfeeding is the vast majority of women. It does not usually just melt off as they're they're breastfeeding their babies. So it's important to be patient and kind to yourself. And also just reminding ourselves the importance of the balance and how it's not an all or nothing. It's not I'm on a diet or I'm not on a diet. It's really taking a step back and thinking about the food choices that we're making and realizing that if we want to have dessert, then that's fine. Um, and it's not an all or nothing. Um, also, when we're so tired and sleep deprived, we'll often reach for foods to get that energy um, and the foods that are usually the ones that we reach for could be the high sugar foods that will give us that that spike and then the crash so if we get if we make sure that we're focusing on food choices that are helpful to our health and our energy levels like our whole grain foods that can be really helpful as well do you have any tips for actual foods women can keep next to their chairs next to their beds like what is it that people should keep around for that quick boost uh, that's an excellent question. Well, first and foremost, if a woman is tired, um, as most postpartum women are, especially when there is little to no predictability in schedule, um, if they are able to take a nap and actually restore themselves by resting and, and sleeping, that is ideal. Um, whole grains um, are the ones as the food group that helps us with energy. So even if you have, you know, a whole grain cracker with some cheese on it or hummus with vegetables, those are different things that we can have around for that boost. But really to think more of how are we taking care of ourselves? Are we trying, you know, when the baby is sleeping, are we taking that opportunity to rest or are we wearing ourselves down to try to do as many dishes and laundry as we can? There's also meal prep, like People don't have the energy to then go prepare themselves a wonderful breakfast. So things like trail mix mm -hmm. that people can prepare in advance. Healthy cereal as opposed to fruity pebbles. I mean, right. keep things around that will support you in taking care of you, taking care of baby, just promoting your own general health. Yeah, and, and each, each individual is unique in their own way. So they have their own circumstances, their own health goals, their own specific scenario that they're dealing with. So when I work with women one-on-one, -on -one, then I can give more specific guidelines and recommendations. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned Fruity Pebbles. It's okay also to cut yourself slack. And if, if you need to serve cereal and milk for dinner one night on disposables or many nights, then that's fine. And that's part of taking care of yourself. And when we're making our choices, it's really important for us to focus on our why. And this is not only pregnancy, postpartum, really at all times. If, let's say, our example of losing weight, why do we want to lose weight? Because we want to be a happier and healthier mommy? Amazing. But there's so many other components to achieving that goal besides for weight loss and besides for the food choices that we make. So really just being kind and easy on ourselves, especially for the first few months, um, whether that's the first three months, six months. Um, and really easing your way back into those, those decisions that you make when they're related to your habits and just your everyday. I don't want it to sound like either of us is minimizing weight loss as a personal goal. And it's important for women to feel comfortable in their own bodies. It is healthy to achieve 
some of that weight loss before entering into another pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Like those are important things and and having a healthy weight going into a pregnancy is it's associated with an easier pregnancy, better mm-hmm. pregnancy outcomes. So it's I guess it is all a balance. Like you said, a balance of are you are you taking care of yourself in emotional ways, practical ways? There's a lot a lot that needs to get balanced. It's making me remember a conversation I had with someone where she told me that she was restricting her calories to lose weight and she realized that her weight loss had plateaued mm-hmm. and her husband said, hey, is it possible that your body is not letting go of anything because you're eating too little and you're mm-hmm. breastfeeding? And when she added in, maybe it was that, you know, that 300 to 500 calories mm-hmm. a day that they say you'll need extra. When she added those calories in, it was like she could see her own body relax into being healthy and capable and her weight began again to come off slowly and she had enough milk for her baby and it was she could see for herself that having the right amount and not restricting herself too far led her body to do all the different things it was supposed to do because we're asking our bodies to do a lot when we're mothers when we're I mean out every every part of this Yeah, and whenever we're dealing with weight loss or really just healthy habits in general, we want to think long-term big picture. So if somebody, you know, wants to restrict their calories a lot, it's it's not recommended in general, but it's definitely not something that's sustainable. We want to make sure that we we are undergoing habits that are healthy and sustainable, and I would never recommend severe restriction. Um, but to, to make that argument a little more appealing to people who might still want to, you just you want to make sure that you're setting yourself up for success. And sometimes the slow and steady wins the race, as cliche as that sounds. Um, and to realize that your choices do have an impact. This includes, um, includes breastfeeding. This, I've heard multiple times yeah. from women that they, that they calorie restricted heavily mm-hmm. around nine, 10 months without realizing that that could severely cut down their supply. But your body wants you to be healthy. And at a certain point, if you're restricting too heavily, it's going to say, all right, that baby can go eat pudding. You know, <laughs> you need your calories. So if a woman is breastfeeding and that's a, a value of hers, a goal of hers, like keep in mind that balance. You, there is a point for everyone. That's the right point. That's a healthy amount. And that's what we're aiming for. We're aiming for healthy mommies, healthy babies, and for everyone to be getting what they need in the right way. Let's talk coffee for one second. I love coffee. Okay, before we recorded this, we each had a coffee. I'm breastfeeding. Are you breastfeeding? Yes, I am. We're both breastfeeding, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the deal with coffee? You said you heard all the way from have no coffee at all to your doctor saying... Exactly. It's very important that we are we are aware of the information that we're getting and the, the source of it. Um, I speak a lot about that as a dietitian. You want to make sure that the nutrition information that you're getting is from a credible source. With my first pregnancy, I remember hearing people say that absolutely no coffee and how it can be so harmful to the baby and the pregnancy. Um, and I don't even think I had decaf with my first pregnancy because oh. I was so nervous. And these are the things we do for our children. You know, I gave up coffee, even though I, I really enjoy drinking it. It's part of my self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, with subsequent pregnancies, I remember speaking with my doctor and saying, look, it's just I really would enjoy having a cup of coffee. And the response that I got was, you can for sure have at least one to two. Don't worry about it. One to two cups per day. So Always ask your doctor, um, but sometimes you'll be pleasantly surprised with the response that you get. 
They know the limit, the upper limit is 400 milligrams. So it'll depend how strong someone's coffee is, but that, I mean, 400 milligrams can be up to three or four. I don't think I'd recommend that. They know above that is dangerous. So if you're drinking that much coffee, you're definitely gonna have to cut it down. For your own sanity, going from no from four cups of a coffee to zero cups of coffee, that's gotta be hard. It's like a, it's a coping mechanism. It's self-care, like you said. Um, some people are more sensitive in the first trimester of pregnancy, so it's easier for them to make that shift from a lot of coffee to no coffee. And the other thing people don't know, though, is that in pregnancy, we have like these numbers, and then you get to postpartum and a woman's breastfeeding, and they go right back to drinking their four cups of coffee, and that's not really recommended because it's not... In pregnancy, we're worried about how it's going to affect the baby's growth. Postpartum, it can actually make babies irritable. Mm-hmm. So... Again, we say limit your coffee to one to two cups of coffee and pay attention to your baby. If your baby is sleeping well, is not irritable, fussy, not gassy, then your baby's not sensitive. If you're having two to three cups and you're seeing some of those symptoms, it might be one of the things that is worth cutting back on a little bit, along with chocolate, by the way. <laughs> There's just so much you can you can point to and wonder, but the right amount at the right time is usually, it's usually a good thing. I just wanted to ask one more thing. To go back to pregnancy, can we talk a little bit about foods that you shouldn't eat while you're pregnant? Definitely. Um, We want to be very careful to avoid certain foods during pregnancy, um, just for peace of mind and to make sure that we keep ourselves and our babies healthy. Um, Examples would be raw meats, um, deli meats we really should try to avoid. If somebody really wants, maybe they can heat it up to a certain degree, like until it's steaming, but speak to your doctor first. Um, fish with mercury, you want to avoid. Um, less. Limit. 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 Ask your doctor. Um, a lot of things that are raw. So raw or undercooked eggs, raw sprouts, raw or undercooked meats. Um, you want to make sure all the dairy that you have is pasteurized. So pasteurized milk, cheeses that are pasteurized. Um, and just being very careful with food safety. So making sure that you know, anything that might be contaminated with raw chicken or raw meat, you just wash things very well and cook them to the right temperatures when you are dealing with meat and poultry. And one of the things that people don't realize is they can say, well, I always eat those and I don't get sick. And there specifically, there's an infection called listeria, mm-hmm. which is drawn to the placenta. So most people will eat these things. And even if there's some listeria bacteria, a very small amount, they won't get ill. But if a woman who is pregnant gets exposure, she she could get ill and it's very dangerous for the baby. So it's easy to poo-poo and be like, well, I always have my raw sushi and I'd ever get a tummy ache. That's It's not the concern. So there are specific concerns for pregnant women and it's really, it's worth paying attention to. Um, my last, very last thing that I was hoping you could give a, like a summary of, not not specific guidelines, but... People are familiar with this idea of gestational diabetes, and they, you hear women say, I don't want to go get the sugar test because I don't want to, I don't want them to tell me that I can't eat this or that, or, um, or they'll say, I don't have diabetes in my family, so I don't want to go do it. And just like to summarize, gestational diabetes is different from regular diabetes, from type 1 diabetes, type 2 diabetes. It starts, at least it starts limited in pregnancy. And women, it's an, it has, having gestational diabetes can complicate a pregnancy. But what it really shows us is that the pregnant woman responds to sugar a little bit differently than a non-pregnant woman. So 
what can you tell us about just like basic diet, basic sugar exposure in pregnancy? It's kind of a complicated question, but yeah. mm-hmm. do you kind of hear what I'm asking? Yeah, I, I, under- I, I think I hear what you're asking. It's definitely important to make sure that you are going for those glucose tolerance tests. Um, at the right time during pregnancy, which is when they give you that delicious sugary drink that tastes much better cold, um, and then they check your blood to see um, the, the, the sugar levels within your blood. Um, so if you don't have a, a family history of it, and of gestational diabetes, usually there is, there is what to... That's a risk factor. Right, that would exactly. be an additional risk factor, exactly. but being pregnant is its own risk factor. Exactly. So it is definitely always important to go do the test that your physician recommends. Um, and then based off of the results, um, if you show that you screened in a way that was as as desired, then you don't need to make any changes. But if they do see that your glucose levels are higher, they might do an additional test. Um, and ultimately, if there is a diagnosis of gestational diabetes, then usually your doctor will have you be set up with a registered dietitian who can give you specific guidelines. Um, typically, it's very similar way of eating to a general healthy lifestyle. Um, usually, they recommend having smaller amounts of carbohydrates for breakfast earlier on in the day. Um, you definitely want to make sure to more more seriously limit foods and drinks with sugar no soda no juice exactly small amounts exactly um no soda no juice if you want to have then very small amounts and under the the guidance of your doctor um and always we want to recommend those healthy wholesome foods like fruits and vegetables high fiber um, uh, enough water um and just to to follow any of the additional guidelines that you're given thank you i think that's helpful is there anything else you want to add that's a really good question. Um, I just think that as women, we really need to take care of ourselves and listen to our body and just be kind to ourselves. And a happy mommy really translates into a happy family and how the choices that we make and our own status has this ripple effect onto our kids and our household. Um, and it's important that we, we're just mindful of our choices and that we're kind to ourselves. And if we have If anyone has any additional specific questions, they can feel free to reach out to me. I'm always happy to to speak with people. Super, and I will include your contact information at the bottom of this post. So thank you so much for coming on and joining me today in this conversation. It was really enlightening to me too. So thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining me on today's Panema Wellness Podcast. For more information on this and other women's health topics or to schedule a consultation, please visit fromwomenshealth.com. Questions and feedback are also always welcome.